Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. G'day everyone. For our prep, those at our Padstay campus, those at Preston's, those online, I want to welcome you again to our online experience. I hope you enjoyed um, what you've seen so far in the um, announcements and all that we're doing as a church. Please take that stuff seriously. Um, it's something that we want to see in your lives. So um, I encourage you to grab a hold of that. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who is with us, that you are the God who is for us. We thank you, God, that we can gather in our homes, around our screens, um, with our families, and to hear from you. God, we know that your word is your words to us. May we hear from you today. Open our hearts and ears, God, to hear from you that you would speak and that you would bring transformation to our lives. And at the end of this message, as we ask you, God, to move in our lives, that you would move. We pray that would be the case, not just now, but throughout this whole message. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. Well, as a, as a young boy, I grew up with a dad who owned a bird, a pet galah, looked like this. We only had one, not two. He looked like this. His name was Cocky, and he lived under our back deck in a cage. And as a young kid, it was my job to feed the bird and give the bird water. And so I used to feed the bird, give it seed, and give it water. And then on occasion, I would lift up the side of the cage and stick my hand in. We'd never open it up fully because the bird would get out and fly away. But I'd stick my hand in the cage, and, and Cocky would come and put his claws in my hands. And it hurt a bit bit of blood, not much, but it was just nice having that connection with the bird. And then I'd eventually climb off and I'd pull my hand out, pull the um, cage down. One day I went into the backyard and I noticed Cocky was not where he should have been. (laughs) He wasn't on his perch. He was laying at the bottom of the cage. And I was like, oh dear, I went up and guess what? Um, Cocky was dead. (laughs) He was dead. Um, Later that day, mum and dad had gone out. They uh, came home and I went up to them at the, at the driveway and I burst into tears and said, Dad, cocky's dead. That, our little, that little bird died. Um, when I think about birds, I think about birds in, in cages. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a bird. Bird cage with a door. And, and birds are in cages. Although they can do some things that they are designed to do, they can poo, they can uh, whistle. Um, cocky had this really cool whistle. He went like this. He went... And we, and we whistled back to the bird. That was the sound that he made. And birds can eat, birds can drink, birds can make cool sounds, but they can't do everything that they're designed to do. For birds are designed to do much more things. Um, if you do a bit of research on birds, you will, you will see that, the, that our birds help us in the ecosystem of, of nature and life. Birds eat weeds, which keeps, their, which, uh, keeps the weeds down. Birds eat insects, which keeps the insects down. Birds, bigger birds catch rodents, which keeps the number of rodents down. But they also help us in pollinating of flowers as they put their beak on one flower and then put it on another, they pollinate. And as they eat fruit, they eat the seeds of the fruit, then they fly somewhere else and they poop, and that seed goes in the ground, which creates another tree in another place, which reproduces fruit trees and fruit and trees and the reproduction across the earth. Birds have a unique purpose that they can't fulfill when they're caged. It's only as a bird gets released from its cage that it can fulfill its purpose. I wonder if you've ever felt like that bird. 
I wonder if you ever felt trapped. I wonder if you ever felt like you are caged. You know you're only fulfilling a part of the purpose of your life because you're only seeing a small thing of what you're designed for, a small amount of what you're hoping to achieve. You're only seeing a small amount of who you're hoping to be. And I reckon many times it's to do with that we feel trapped and we put ourselves in situations or situations and circumstances of life happen to us where we feel caged. Let me give you some examples where we may trap ourselves or we may cage ourselves. The first one, maybe we trap ourselves or cage ourselves as we compare ourselves with others. As we compare ourselves with others, we are looking at how pretty somebody is and we think to ourselves, how pretty am I compared to that? How wealthy is that person and compare ourselves with that? How happy am I and, and compare ourselves with other people? How physically fit am I and compare ourselves with other people? There's the first one, compare ourselves with others. But maybe we trap ourselves in the area of fear where we allow fear to dictate the decisions that we make in our lives. Maybe we're afraid of the future so that holds us back. Maybe we're fearful of letting people down or we're fearful of the what if or fearful of failing. This fear can direct the path of our life and can trap us from all that God has for us. Maybe we trap ourselves around people-pleasing. We try and keep everybody around us happy. And by doing that, we simply wear ourselves out and we feel like we have to keep going and going and going to keep people happy, but the reality is we just can't. Maybe we feel trapped around insecurity. We have doubts. We have questions about who am I? Whose am I? We have insecurity around where do I fit? Where do I belong? Who really cares for me? Who really loves me? Maybe we trap ourselves, we cage ourselves around our, our poor habits. Maybe we're overeating or drinking too much. Maybe a lack of exercise, too much coffee. These poor habits can trap us and hold us back from who we are, we, we want to be and who God wants us to be. Another way we can get trapped is around our negative self-assessment. Where we, where we continue to look at ourselves and we continue to tell ourselves that we're not good enough, that we could never do that, that we don't deserve that. Always where we talk negatively about ourselves, which hold us back. Or then maybe it's the voices of others. It's the negative voices of others, people who say to us, you can't, you couldn't possibly do that. You don't matter. Your voice, your opinion doesn't matter. And we believe them. And those voices can trap us. And then the last one is around sin. As we look at our lives and we look at what God wants for us and we see, wow, my life looks nothing like God wants for me. I'm failing in this area and I'm, and I'm not doing this that God wants me to do. And I see my lack and I see my failure and I just feel trapped. Sin can trap us. Holding us back from all the things that God wants us to do. And the reality is, some people deal with this stuff better than others. But if we're honest, each one of us is stuck. In some area of our life, we feel trapped. We feel like we're caged. We feel like we're caught. We feel like we can't fulfill everything that God has for us. 
And it's not just us who sees that. It's not just as uh, we look at our own lives and, and, we, and we see our own trappedness. But God also sees our trappedness. And God sees our failing. God sees where things aren't right. And rather than God sitting up there with his finger, pointing his finger at up and saying, you're failing there and you're failing there and you're failing there. God, out of his love and his kindness for us, comes to us. He doesn't stand up there and seal our problems and say you're on your own. No, God comes to us out of his love, out of his kindness, and he comes to set us free. We're in a series entitled Encountering Jesus, and in this series we've looked at Jesus' identity. We've looked at um, that Jesus was was the baptizer, or is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We've seen last week that uh, we looked at Jesus' message, which was a message of the kingdom. And today I want to talk to you around Jesus' mission. And when I talk about mission, I'm talking around the why. Organizations have mission statements, and the mission statement tells us why we exist. And when we look at Jesus' mission, we're looking at why did Jesus come to earth? I just said to you that God didn't just sit there with his finger and point and say, you're failing and you're not meeting my expectations and you, you're actually living in this because of these are the consequences of your own action. God just didn't do that. He came to us out of love and he met us and he came to us in order to set us free. And in Luke chapter 4, we see this message that God has come, Jesus, God the Son has come to set us free. We see this so clearly in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. The context is that Jesus is in his hometown and he's in his synagogue, the place of worship where he, where he noted it went weekly. And it was his turn to read. So he stands up and reads um, from Isaiah chapter 61. He reads this text, which is about the Messiah, the, a prophecy about the Messiah that he was to come and that he was going to set people free and that this Messiah that was going to declare this amazing truth that God has come among his people to rescue them. And then Jesus says, hey, this scripture is now fulfilled in your hearing. An incredible, it's an incredible declaration. Now, before we read it, let me, let me give you the context of this passage. In our Luke chapter 3, we see that Jesus has been um, baptized in water. We see the Spirit of God has come upon him like a dove. We hear God's voice saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And then we have him being sent out into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Then we're told after the temptation that Jesus finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been put in prison. That's in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 4, you can read it. At hearing that, Jesus then returns to Galilee, up, up north, up near the Sea of Galilee, And he returns to his home. That's what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 4. He returns to his home and he uses his home as a base in which to present this message. We're then told he then goes about and declares declares the message, Hey, I have good news to tell you the kingdom of God is near. And then we read that Jesus turns up in his own synagogue on the Sabbath and he reads from Isaiah 61. Let's have a look at this passage from Luke chapter 4. This is what it says. He went on to Nazareth, this is talking about Jesus, he went on to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. 
Jesus stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in verse 20, Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone was upon him because Jesus just declared that he's the Messiah. That the scripture in Isaiah 61, this, the spirit of the Lord's on me, it's now fulfilled here, now, right now. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is declaring that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that this, that this scripture is talking about. And in this scripture from Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus' mission. We see the why of Jesus come to earth. And I want to take you through each line at a time because each line um, has an important part to play. The first line that I've bolded, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on certain people at a certain time. And that was also true while Jesus walked the earth until the day of Pentecost, where God's Spirit comes upon all believers, yeah? So, um, but for Jesus to declare the Spirit of the Lord's on me, he's saying that God has a message for me to declare to the world because God put his Spirit on kings and prophets to proclaim his message to the world. And so Jesus is saying, I have come and I've got a message to proclaim to you. The Spirit is upon me to proclaim this message. The second thing Jesus says is that he has been anointed. Anointed means that he's been given a specific task to do. The Spirit's upon him to bring a message. The anointing is about the task that Christ has been given to do, that Jesus has been given to do. The third thing we see is that he's come, that this anointing is to preach or to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, if, 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 as I was talking about that bird this morning, that cage bird, and, if, and if, if you could relate to feeling trapped, if you can relate to feeling caged where the door is closed and you're not free, well, friends, this is for you. Jesus says that he has come to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, before we talk about what the good news is, let me talk about who this good news is for. And Jesus says here that the good news is being proclaimed or given for the poor. Now, the word for poor in the Greek means those reduced to beggary, indignant, low person of low condition. And it wasn't just those who are financially poor. It was those who recognized their lack before God. In our life groups, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And in our first week on the Sermon on the Mount, we see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus starts there because it's a beautiful picture of how God wants, how Jesus wants us to approach God. Blessed, happy, congratulations, this is a, this is a good thing. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, which simply means people who recognize their lack before God. They, they, they recognize that they have sin in their life, that there's nothing that they can do to be good enough to be accepted by God because of their wrongdoing. 
They see that they need God in their life for restoration, for healing, for forgiveness of sin. And they're saying, God, I need that. And Jesus says that's exactly what that, that's exactly the first step. If you want to be in relationship with God, if you want to have your sin forgiven, the first thing is to recognize that you need Him. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you recognize your, your lack, for yours is the kingdom of God. And back in that scripture in Luke chapter 4, it says um, that Jesus has come to proclaim the good news to the poor. Well, what is this good news? Well, friends, it's the good news of the kingdom. We see it so clearly in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The, what is this good news, he says? The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Friends, the good news is that God's kingdom has come near. And all we need to do to be part of God's kingdom is to repent, say, no, I'm not living the old way, and to put our trust in God. Repentance and faith opens the doorway into God's kingdom. That is the good news. For those who recognize their lack, those who recognize they can't save themselves, those they recognize they need God in their life, the good news for you is that God is a kingdom for you that you can enter as you repent of your old life and choose to put your faith in God's King who is Jesus. Jesus has come to proclaim the good news to the poor, the good news of the kingdom to those who recognize they need it. The next thing that we see in this text, Jesus says that he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. In Greek, here is a, um, a, a much more direct translation. He has sent me to proclaim to captives release. To captives release. Now, whenever we see the words captives and release or um, prisoners and freedom together in the New Testament, it's always referring to sin. And freedom from sin, forgiveness of sin. So what Jesus is saying here by declaring this passage, but by declaring this from Isaiah 61, he's saying, I have come to set people free from their sin. How did Jesus do that? He did it by his future death on the cross. When Jesus went to that cross, he paid the price for my sin and your sin. He made a way for my, my relationship, for your relationship to be, to be restored with God. He made a way for the death sentence that was on my life because of my wrongdoing to be dealt with, to be finished, to be, it is done. Like Jesus said on the cross, it is done, it is finished. When you come to Christ, he has, he has made a way for your sin to be forgiven. And the reality is sin, friends, is our biggest problem. We only need to look at our lives and see the way that we hurt ourselves when we disobey God. When we hurt others as we disobey God, we see the, the, the implications of that. We see the results of sin in people's lives. We see the breakdown in relationship. We see hurt. We see shame. We see guilt. And friends, the Bible says sin is our biggest problem. And Jesus has made a way for the biggest problem in our lives to be dealt with. As we come to him, we put our faith in him. We ask him to forgive us. He's made a way for our sin to be forgiven. Jesus has made a way for your sin to be forgiven. The next thing we see, he says that he has brought recovery of sight to the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind. Throughout the New Testament, we see um, that our, we are told that God lifts the veil that's over people's eyes. That people can see the truth. Spiritual blindness, we call it. God heals spiritual blindness, but he also heals physical blindness. And whenever we see these words, recovery of sight for the, and the word blind in the New Testament, 
It's always referring to physical healings. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see this, that Jesus continued to heal people physically. He made lepers walk, the blind eyes see. He even rose the dead. Jesus is the miracle worker. And friends, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who he is. So just like he healed then, he's now seated at the right hand of his father, and he's still healing today. I'm reading Reinhard Bonnke's autobiography, and he shares stories of his campaigns and as he goes and he prays for the sick, and he sees things happen that he never expected to see happen. And God moved by his spirit. Friends, Jesus is still healing today. And if you need healing, go after it. If you need forgiveness of sin, ask him. For he is the one who provides for us. He only, not only did it when he walked the planet, he does it now at the right hand of the Father. Two more. The next thing we see is that Jesus has come to set the oppressed free. In the Greek, to, the, the word oppressed are those who have been hurled down Shattered, crushed, broken into pieces by another party. Now this could be a demonic spirit oppressing you, holding you down. Or it could be another person or the voices of others. And most likely it's the voices of others. Those who have said to you, you aren't good enough. You can't. You don't measure up. Your voice doesn't matter. You failed. And these voices that we, that we not only hear, we actually grab a hold of and they hold us down and they hold us back from all that God has for us and friends Jesus has come to set you free if you got those thoughts I'm not good enough and someone's put those on you ask Jesus to meet you ask Jesus to heal you and allow him to set you free to change your mindsets and the last thing that we see in this scripture Jesus declares he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor this is all about the year of jubilee in the Old Covenant, during the Old Testament times, every 50 years, it was the year of Jubilee, where all the slaves were set free. If, if you were a slave, if you were working for someone, if you were paying off a debt, if you were working to someone to pay your family, every 50 years, you were set free. If you owned land and you sold that land to somebody else, for whatever reason, every 50 years, that land was returned to you. It was an incredible time. Slaves were set free. Land was returned. And if you had a debt, if you owed somebody money, that debt was cancelled. Imagine that. Home loan over. Credit card bill paid for. Incredible. People celebrated the year of Jubilee every 50 years when it would come around, usually only once in someone's lifetime. Cancelled debt. Lives transformed. Amazing. And so... Jesus has come and he says, now is the year of cancelling debts. Now is the year of the Lord's favour. Now is the time of freedom. I have come to set you free from your sin, from your sickness, from your oppression. I've got a message for you. If you see your lack, I've got a message of the kingdom that, that, that you can have, that you can enter if you want it. It's available for you. Friends, this is Jesus' mission. This is the why Jesus came to earth to set me free, to set you free, to open the door of the cages of our lives where we're trapped and that we can be free. Back in 2018, when I started to lead LifeGate Church, I was seeking God on, God, what do you want for this church? What emphasis do you want? How do you want us to go? And, and, and God led me to this scripture. And I believe this is a scripture for our church, that it's not just some idea, but we are deliberate in proclaiming the good news of God to the world, that he has come to set people free of their sin, 
that He's come to set them free physically, spiritually, emotionally, that He's come to set those who are oppressed, those who are hurled down, to set them free. It is a year, it is the, they're not just the year, it is the season. It is the year after the resurrection of Jesus. It is the year of freedom. It's a time of freedom. And that is the message that we have as, as a church to offer, offer the world. So as we come to the end of this message, I started to talk about that little bird, Cocky, that my, that my dad had who had that really cool whistle. And, he, and, we, and we, we whistle it and he'd whistle it back. And just like Cocky was not free because he was in the cage, we can feel trapped. And I talked about some of the ways we feel trapped. I talked about when we compare ourselves with others, when we allow fear to direct our steps, when we try and please people rather than please God, when we have insecurities and doubts about who we are, what we're about, do I fit, where do I fit? We have all these insecurities that hold us back from all that God has for us. We have poor habits, negative self-assessment, negative voices of others, and then there's sin. As, we, as, as I give you that list, I wonder, out of all those things, where are you trapped? Where do you feel like that bird in that cage? Where aren't you free? As a church, we talk about getting real and taking action. So if we're going to get real, it needs to start with me. So let me give you a story of where I'm a bit stuck at the moment. I've shared with, with our church that growing up, I used to get, I was um, this one here, this uh, people pleaser. And over the years, it's something that I've worked on and tried to change and ask God to help me. And I've got better and better and better. But, but recently, I've, I've found myself people pleasing again. And, and, I, and I think it's because of a, an incident that happened in my life. Um, earlier in the year, I had to make a really difficult decision. It was really difficult for me and also really difficult for the people involved. Um, it was something that I agonized over for months and sleepless nights. And, and it, was, it was a really tough decision because I knew it would hurt. I didn't want to make it, but I thought it was best for the church. So I, I made that decision. Um, but then recently... In, in reflection, when, when our people have asked me for things or to do things, I've, I'm, I'm much, I've, I've been saying yes more often. Now, as a leader of an organization, it's, it's, it's great to say yes. You want to celebrate people, but also you need to say no. Because as a leader of the organization, you're responsible to protect what, who, who God wants us to be and, and, and what we're about. And over this last couple of months, I've, I find myself saying yes more to things that I would normally say no to. Why? Because I don't want to hurt people. I, 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 I actually want to please them. And I think it's to do with that incident where I, where I made it very difficult for people earlier in the year and no doubt pain, and I didn't want to create that pain for anybody else. And so now I've shrunk back into people-pleasing. And that's an area where I think I'm stuck now and I need Jesus to meet me and transform my mind and remind me that I'm not here to serve not, not, not only here to serve others, but I'm here to serve him and I need to do the things that he wants. And you say yes to him, which means maybe saying no to others and allowing people to be upset with me for a season and allowing people to be hurt. Not that I want to hurt them, but it's about obeying God before trying to keep people happy. So I share that story because as the leader, I need to go first. And, and I share that because that's an area where I'm stuck. And, and so now I ask you, where are you stuck? As you look at these lists of things, where are you stuck? 
Where are the areas that you feel like that trapped bird in that cage? You know, in this passage from Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, Jesus says that he has come to set you free. He doesn't want you to live like that bird trapped in that cage. He wants you to be free. And just like people came to Jesus when he walked the planet and they went up to him and touched the edge of his coat and they were healed. As they cried out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You can cry out to him too and say, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm stuck. I pray that you would meet me here now. I pray that you would meet me if you need forgiveness. You're stuck in habitual sin. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to break that addiction. If you need your eyes, the, the, the blindfold that's on your eyes to be lifted, ask him to lift the blindfold. If you need healing in your body, if you've got disease or sickness, ask him to bring healing upon your life. Let's believe in faith that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And what he did in the past, he can do now at the right hand of the Father. If you're oppressed, those voices of others, if there's demonic spirit hanging around, ask Jesus to set you free, for he is the one who sets people free. So as we come to the end of this message, I want to give you a few seconds, 30 seconds, just to pray and to bow your head in your lounge rooms, in your beds with your family. Just quietly bow your head and say, God, I'm stuck in. Tell him the area. Ask him to forgive you and ask him to come and set you free. Take 30 seconds. Do that now. I just put this question on the screen. What do you need Jesus to do for you? I was supposed to put, up, put that up before you prayed, but you got the idea anyway. Jesus is the one who is the miracle worker. He's the one who brings healing. And my prayer for you is that Jesus meets you. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I want to pray for every person who's watching this message on YouTube, every person who's watching this on Facebook, who's watching it through our website, the link, those sitting in their homes in front of their computers, those on their phones, those still in bed. Father, I pray that you would meet them here, that, that you would meet them now. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. That, Jesus, that you would heal by your Spirit, that you would bring conviction of sin, and that you would not only bring conviction, that you would bring repentance, and that you would bring change and freedom. That that desire of sin will have no more hold on your people. Father, I want to pray for those who have um, sickness and disease and physical ailments in their body. I want to declare freedom over their lives now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak to those sicknesses and I say be healed. Those diseases, I say be healed now in the name of Jesus. For those who are oppressed, who are oppressed by a demonic spirit, I bind that demonic spirit now in Jesus' name over your life. I bind that spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves like you see us and those voices of others will have no effect on us. And as Jesus says towards the beginning of this, he says, I've come to proclaim the good news to the poor. Father, I pray that each one of us will recognize our lack, that we're all in need of you. And as we recognize that and as we repent and believe that you would meet us and that we would enter the good news of your kingdom, and that we would walk in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for being part of this message today. I pray that Jesus would meet you, that he would bring transformation to your life. If you didn't see the freedom now, pray again, pray again, pray again. In Luke 11, it talks about praying and keeping praying and keeping praying until we see the breakthrough. 
I encourage you to pray to have that breakthrough. You know, as we close in, at, at, um, at 10.15 today, we're going to have a time of morning tea. I've put up a couple of Zoom links. There's the one for the Padstow, if you're part of our Padstow campus. Um, go to Zoom, click on this, um, put in this ID. My wife and I, Michelle and I, will be hosting this Zoom. And if you're part of our Preston's campus, um, Alex and Laura, our service pastors, will be hosting that one there. The, 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 our numbers are there. And if you're watching this online and you're not part of our Pastor campus or Preston's campus, choose one. We would love to meet you. We would love to connect with you. We would love to engage with you. Hey, be blessed. Um, Laura, our service pastor, we'll be speaking next week. Hope to see you soon. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations. And we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, uh, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.